Hi, this is your host, Pete Bloom. Welcome to American Heroes Network. Our core mission is serving the brave men and women who have sacrificed to ensure our freedom. You will hear true stories from those that have served, learn about veteran organizations and resources, and gain hope for your future knowing American Heroes Network, your community, and other veterans are here and at the ready to serve and help you and your family. We will talk about the hard topics like PTSD and TBI. You will also hear military history, inspirational stories, learn about networking with the community, and more. So come join us and be part of our family. Today's guest is a horse-riding, gun-toting, veteran-loving cowgirl. She runs a horse ranch that helps veterans and is the mom of a veteran. She is CEO and founder of Crusaders Valor for Veterans. I would like to welcome Tracy Nazarenus. Tracy, good evening, and how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, got to tell you. <laughs> so, to start off, tell us what ties your heart to the military. Was it your son joining and serving in the military, or is it more than that? Yeah, it was more than that. My dad's a veteran also. I was born an Army brat at Fort Bragg Army Hospital in North Carolina. So I lived that lifestyle when I was young. And then, of course, my son, in the middle of high school, decided to join the military between his junior and senior year. And then he came back after boot camp and finished his senior year, graduated, and he was gone. So that is the reason I really care. And I care about them all. Now that I've got to know so many across this entire nation, I really feel that most citizens don't deserve what our military does for them. I don't say that lightly. I think they don't get the sacrifices they and their families make for us on a daily basis. And I don't think they understand the shape they come in if they've been in a designated danger zone. So that's kind of my thing is to wake up America our veterans need us, it's time to pay them back by bringing them to the forefront. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, I can completely understand what you're saying. And the real thing about it is that if someone doesn't have a military person in their family, and they're not near a base, and they don't have any exposure to military people, then they don't know, they don't understand. And so it's difficult for them to realize that we might need help too. I agree with you, but all of us as citizens, whether you live by a base, anybody should know that when you see the TV or the news, that these people are risking their lives for our safety and our freedom. So whether you do or you don't know somebody, they're still sacrificing for you. And most people know that. Very true. Very true. And another thing that I like that I think is getting a little more exposure when it comes to the military is schools. I like how they're doing ROTC because then that starts kids off young. You know, they learn, they understand, and then a lot of times they join after that. And then all those families get to know and get to understand. And then our whole military family grows a little bit more. So everything that can happen that's positive towards understanding the military and getting people to interact with it more, I think is a good thing. So I always like to see all those little things happen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think there's a lot of schools that are fighting the ROTC. And I think that's a disgrace. I think that, especially if you're a public school, that banning the ROTC and all this demonstration stuff is ridiculous. I mean, they can be there and the kids have the right to learn about them and then make choices when they turn 18. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, talking about 18, you know, so you said your son decided in high school to join the military. And that's funny because sort of similar thing happened to me, except it wasn't my idea. It was my best friend's. He's like, 
hey, let's graduate school and go join the military. And so I did, but I was actually 17 and my dad had to sign for me and he couldn't have been happier to sign and let me get out there and do something with my life. You know what I mean? I actually had to sign for Nick also. He joined when he was 17 so that he could go to boot camp during the summer, like I said, between his junior and his senior year. And it was the hardest signature I ever gave. But he was dead set on it. And therefore, you know, at his age, I just prayed it was the right thing to do. You know, it's really funny because Nick was my best friend's name that talked to me into joining the military. So how about that? <laughs> that is a small world. <laughs> I wish I could say someone talked Nick into doing it, but he came up with that one all on his own. I did have to explain to him the difference between the surprise and the shock. So when you say, surprise, mom, I joined the military, it's not a surprise, that's a shock. <laughs> so we've had that conversation several times over the many years that he served about where he was going to go and what he was going to do with the military. Of This is not a surprise. This is a shock. He did always take great pleasure in surprising the family when he would come back in country or back from somewhere that he was assigned. He always felt this urge to surprise everybody. I'll never forget the day I was working as a waitress, just waiting tables, and he was gone. And I saw somebody get out in total camo, and they were walking toward the restaurant. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, that looks like Nick. And I'm like, that's impossible. That's impossible. And I took off out the door once I realized it was real. And of course, we hugged. And everybody in the whole, I was turning around, everybody in the whole restaurant's got their faces plastered to the window. Like, what are we seeing here? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It was just, it was one of those moments and he did it to each and everybody in the family. He That's funny. And surprised his sister at high school. It was just wild. So he always did that through his entire military career it was the ultimate surprise when he came home. I did it once and that was it. I learned my lesson and never did it again. It was <laughs> actually right after boot camp. Then you go to your school and you learn whatever your job's going to be. I came home on leave after that and I didn't tell my parents so I had a key to the garage door. Their bedroom was directly above the garage. I thought I was being sneaky because I only opened the garage door about a foot and I rolled under it, you know, military style. And then um, <laughs> my dad was a Marine too, and uh, he heard me and he made it down the stairs. And the only thing after you go into the garage is the laundry room. And then the door from that goes into the house. So I was getting ready to go into the house from the laundry room and the door slammed back on me. And I just hear, get out. I got a gun. So I thought, oh boy. I said, it's me. It's me. It's me. Surprise. So, yeah. It's me. Yeah, exactly. After that, I'm like, well, I don't think I need to do these surprises. Somebody's going to get hurt. So yeah, it's more <laughs> likely to be you. And yeah, I, he always, he did it like where we'd be at work or at the time his sister was finishing up in high school and he actually knocked on their door and, you know, walked in and of course she screamed and ran to him, you know, because he'd been gone so long and you know, everybody in the classroom. And then they actually did a huge school rally once they found out that he was there. So they did this huge thing about at school, at her high school, that he was back in town. And her high school actually ended up helping us put together a huge drive to send packages for Christmas to the troops when he was deployed to Afghanistan. And her high school all gathered together. I think that we sent over 300 boxes to Afghanistan for him and all of the troops based at Bagram Field. And that was just amazing to watch those young kids and how proud they were to load up those boxes and put them on the truck and watch them go to the post office. Yeah, that is really awesome. Tell me about your son. What branch did he serve in? 
what did he do? What was his job? Do you know what rank he was? And what does he do now? <laughs> Typical veteran now. So Nicholas was uh, joined and he joined in the army and he went through basic as a medic. He was moved to Texas where they have the bird unit for all of the military coming home. So he was a medic there and he served there for four years. And then when he was done, he thought he was done with his four years because he'd served his time signed up for. And he came home and he lasted about, I would say, three weeks in civilian life. And he came back and he says, hey, mom, surprise, I joined the Navy. <laughs> and uh, again, the conversation, the difference between a surprise and a shock. And so he went off to there. He'd already been through basics. So we didn't have to repeat basics. But he had to go off for a specialty, and he went for being a police officer in the Navy. So he kind of had both degrees by the time he was done. And then he called me up when he was graduating from his schooling, and he says, I, I surprise you and tell you that I just lined up to be on loan to the Army, and I'm heading to Afghanistan. Again, the surprise shock shit. Wow. So he was deployed to Kandahar in Afghanistan. A lot of the stuff that he did is actually special ops and secretive, so I'm not allowed to say a lot about what he did, but his main focus was to go into the field in Afghanistan to all of the little places that they would collect the Taliban, and then his group that he led would bring them back to the main base so that they would be, all the Taliban that were collected for, you know, trying to kill people would be in the jail that was at Bagram. They would go out and he bring them back they would make these convoys out and then come back. So a lot of it I didn't learn until he came home because he didn't want me to worry. So let's just say I've got the real mom's version of what I'm doing. So I wouldn't worry until he got home and I got the real truth. And in the beginning, he came home and he was doing pretty good. And in 2014, I think that one thing I've learned about veterans is when they come home, if they've been in a designated danger zone and they've been exposed to anything, even if you are just a cook and you're in a designated danger zone, you are still equally as important as the person fighting because you're feeding them and you're still involved in all of the stress and the explosions and your life is still a train wreck. So when you come home, I think that your adrenaline is just really pumping. So men and women that come home and are in law enforcement jobs or go into medical fields, High adrenaline jobs, they have a delayed reaction, I believe, in their suffering of post-traumatic stress and what actually happens. And you don't see it. A lot of these cops, you know, they're cops for 20 years, and when they retire, all of a sudden, everything that they did in the military, plus their 20 years of being a cop, hits them like a baseball right in the head. It's because their adrenaline kept going, and they just never felt anything or slowed down to feel anything. So in 2014, Nicholas attempted to take his own life. And by the grace of God, somebody warned me and I got there before he could. And that was in 2014. In 2015 is when Valor for Veterans started. It was either do something positive and take everything that was negative and turn it positive and make a difference in the world or just sit there stunned and in disbelief. I'm glad that you did find out. I'm glad somebody told you and that he's been able to get help. I'm sure he's probably a pretty productive member of society now, right? What's he doing these days? Well, he actually works for the state of Colorado in youth corrections. Unfortunately, like a lot of the veterans from Afghanistan, they are now finding out that they have tumors from the uranium and the burn pits 
that were over in Afghanistan. So sadly, my son has an inoperable brain tumor squarely between his frontal lobes. Unfortunately, the state of Colorado is saying he can't be a correction officer anymore because he can't be in fights with the tumor in your brain. The VA doesn't want to recognize the burn pit tumors yet, so the VA isn't doing anything for all these men and women suffering. They're just, they have a registry. You can go and see their names on the registry if everybody that's got a tumor from serving in Afghanistan. But the VA is kind of like agent warned it's not being recognized. The VA won't do anything in the state saying you can't do your job and we'll try to find you another job. But in the meantime, he's very stressed right now. It's unfortunate that our men and women come home and us as a society can't seem to recognize that. Even the state can't. There's one woman there that is doing her best to try and find him another job within the state. I mean, she's doing everything she can. The rules are, you know, you have to stay in this division and you can't switch. You know, I looked online and there's hundreds of state jobs open they hate to qualify for. But they make them stay in one little area. I mean, veterans across the country, I deal with this every day in Valor for Veterans. They go to school and if the school closes, they owe the money back for the school. Well, they don't call up these veterans and say, hey, your check's going to be docked next month. They just dock it. So all of a sudden you go from making whatever it is for your disability to going, wait a minute, why am I getting $200? Nobody told me I was only getting $200. Well, your school got closed, so we had to recant all the money. The veterans are really, really out there swimming in a great big ocean with no navigation skills because the VA isn't really there to help them. And us as citizens, we're just not helping them. So there's a lot of places in which to go from where we're talking right now in different areas. One of the saddest things is a veteran being homeless. But the VA, in order to help a veteran, if you are in trouble, something bad happened, your life went to hell, you just couldn't hold it together, so you can't pay your rent. Well, they're not going to help you with that because you're not homeless. Now, if you're homeless and you're living in the street or you've had a nonprofit pay two nights in a hotel, then you can go into the VA and say, I'm homeless, I'm sleeping in my car, or I spent two nights in a hotel, here's the receipt from a nonprofit that paid for it, which 99% of the nonprofits do not do. We do two nights so that they can use this. They have to be homeless, living in the streets with nothing for the VA to get involved. So they are not proactive in any way. And it would be a lot cheaper for all of us if when the veterans were in trouble, if like what we do with the Valor for Veterans is we pay that rent and we help them with a plan moving forward. So it doesn't happen again, but they don't lose their home. Once you get an eviction on your record, whether you're a veteran or not, you are not going to get into a new place. Interesting. You know, you mentioned several things that I actually didn't know anything about. And unless you're on that side and you're facing that struggle, then you don't know what's really going on in the real world and with the real things that people are dealing with. You know, obviously I'm not in that situation, so I haven't experienced it. I think it's good that you've said some of that because now people are aware where just like myself, I wasn't aware of all those things. I mean, I know some things that are going on and some things that people are complaining about and having trouble with, but there was a couple of very interesting things there that I wasn't aware of. Well, you'd be surprised how many people do that. What you just said, it's remarkable. You picked up on that really fast, but you would be surprised how many people, when I post something on my LinkedIn, in which everybody can find me on my LinkedIn page, it's public. You do not have to be on LinkedIn. You can just Google my name and it comes up. Is how many veterans that people just don't understand what's happening to them 
You know what I mean? Because you would never believe. And they'll say, hey, tell them to call the VA. We pay our tax dollars, so why is the VA not helping them? People actually leave that as an answer. Tell them to call the VA. Well, no crap. They probably already called the VA, buddy, and they're not getting help. Yeah, that is interesting. I do think that most people think that the VA is out there to help with everything. And you even hear that one thing that I thought initially was I didn't retire, okay? I didn't do 20 years. When I got out, I didn't actually think I would qualify for anything because I didn't retire. And since then, I've been told, yeah, you do. I mean, you don't have to retire to qualify to get assistance from the VA. So that's something else that not every single veteran might actually know. So there you go. There's another interesting fact. But here's the thing now. This stuff bothers you and, you know, you want to help veterans and you are helping veterans. And so you decided to blaze a trail and you started down a path of doing everything that you could do to help veterans. I think if I put it together right, that really all of this kind of started at the beginning with somebody that you know named Chuck and it had to do with horses. Can you kind of tell that story? Well, you know, you can tell God your plan and watch him laugh. All of us cowgirls and Cowgirls for Veterans, the Valor Squad, all of us ride horses. So we thought, you know what? Great. We're going to start a retreat program here where veterans and their families can come out and play with our horses. And we trained all the horses. And we're like, this is so cool. I mean, we're spending every day out here with veterans and their families and horses. And we thought that's what we were meant to do. And then one day, not too long after we started, I get an email from a guy, a veteran named Chuck. And he's trying to get us to buy a long, long list of amazing horse equipment. And he says, I only need $300. And I'm sitting there looking at the list and I'm going like, this is like $2,000 worth of equipment. So I emailed him back and I said, sir, would you mind having a phone conversation with me? Because I'm confused. So Chuck and I conversed and I found out that he was a very much older man, that his son had been deployed to Iraq and his wish before he left, was that if anything happened to him while he was gone and he did not make it home, was for his dad, which was Chuck, to make sure that his two horses lived, that they had a good life for the rest of their life because they were his babies. And so Chuck was calling me because he was already living in his car. He'd lost his apartment. He'd lost everything. He had a terrible lung condition and he couldn't pay the horse's board. And I said, well, there's a lot of things here wrong with this picture, Chuck. I go, we can't have you living in a car and we need to take care of the horses. So that was our very, very first case where we all decided that we were going to just jump in and we were going to make people just generally aware of it, especially on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has absolutely been a lifesaver to everything that we've done. These people on LinkedIn, these business people, they step up and they help these veterans unconditionally. It's just heartwarming. But we ended up getting Chuck's horses in a place they needed to be. We got him in a place that he needed to be, got him a part-time job, we got him on Medicaid and Social Security, and we transformed his life. And from that day on, we became Valor for Veterans, the emergency triage program that does rent utilities and food for all veterans nationwide. So basically, Tracy, this led to the creation of the Rodeo Royalty Veterans Horse Program. Tell us about what you guys do in the squads and everything. Well, we have the Rodeo Royalty Program. So in Colorado, they are basically like Miss Rodeo Colorado, Miss Rodeo USA, or Miss Rodeo America. It's the same thing. Adams County, you know, all the counties have their queens and their princesses. But our girls, instead of representing a fair, they represent the military and the veterans at all of the fairs in Colorado. If you are on the Crusaders squad, if you are on the Valor squad, you are the Valor squad and you are Cowgirls for Veterans. And we are nationwide and we are the ones that do the triage program. 
with rent, utilities, and food nationwide for all veterans that served our country. They have to have honorably left the service. They have to have served what they signed up for, and they have to have a plan moving forward in order to get our assistance. But we do try to help them within 12 to 24 hours, unlike most programs that take up to two to three weeks to get an application through. Wow. So that's a really a quick response time. That's, that's really awesome because red tape just seems to stop so many things and causes people to actually end up on the street before they get any help, which is something that you kind of mentioned earlier. So I really think that that's pretty amazing how quickly you guys take care of things. Well, you have to be proactive and veterans are tired. I mean, I've called the VA to help a veteran as an advocate and I've been on hold. I remember one day last spring, I was on hold. I rode seven horses, just legging them up. I cleaned all the stalls out there. I fed all the horses and cleaned my entire house before somebody at the VA answered the phone. So I'm talking about two hours and probably 45 minutes of just being on hold. And veterans are not okay with that. If they're suffering from post-traumatic stress, if they're suffering and they want help, they don't want to be on hold. So last thing they want to do is not get an answer. They need help. They need an answer. They don't want the crap that they're already dealing with with the VA. And unfortunately, most of the nonprofits out there are getting a lot of money and people out there, all of you, before you donate to a veterans nonprofit, you need to look at what are the requirements for the veterans that get help. That is the number one thing that you look at. What are the requirements for the veteran? Because if you're stepping up, there are organizations, 99% of them, they only help post 9-11 veterans. If you served before 9-11, you basically are not eligible for 99% of the nonprofits out there. If you are not disabled for the high enough rating, you are not eligible for 99% of the nonprofits out there. And where the loophole goes there is right now, it can be five to 10 years before a veteran gets their rating. So if you are suffering from traumatic brain injury or if you're suffering from anything that is not physically visible, okay, so it's mostly the psychological issues that are being held up, it can take you five to 10 years to get a rating. So with that kind of math, these nonprofits can rake in the bucks and they can validate why they don't have to help that veteran. You're not disabled enough or you're pre-9-11. There's a lot of that going around. So all of you out there, when you want to donate your money, You need to look at what is it that a veteran needs to do to get assistance from that program. So from that point, I know we're talking about how you help people out and your triage program, and you seem to be, you know, quicker when it comes to response time. And maybe you don't have all the same things that you have to follow like some of the other ones do, so you have more flexibility. So tell me more about the Crusaders Valor for Veterans. You created a nonprofit. So tell me in more detail about what you do and how you do it. Well, first of all, we are 501c3. We are registered. We are of a platinum rating. We have everything on our website, which is Valor for Veterans, all one word, dot US. And you can actually go onto our website. You can look at Veterans We Help, and you can see the veteran's family picture, their story. And we actually go in there and put exactly how much our nonprofit paid to help each and every veteran. So it's 100% transparent. So you know where your money went if you donated to us. Veterans can go on the same ballotforveterans.us website. They go on there. There's a request form. And at the top, it gives out the rules. You must have been honorably discharged. You must have served the time you signed up for. You must not lie. If I get you a little lie, I don't care if I don't like what you're going to say. Tell me the truth. We will get to work. They are filling out the exact same information 
as they are with any other nonprofit out there. It's coming across to us, a different advocate gets the case, they immediately validate them, verify that they're a veteran, verify their story, call them, discuss how they got in this situation, how do they plan on getting out of the situation if we pay their bills. No money ever goes to a veteran. If they need groceries, we order from Walmart and they pick it up from their closest Walmart. If they need their electric water or gas bills paid, we pay the companies directly. If they need their rent paid, we pay that directly to the rent companies and they have to have a plan moving forward from that day. And if they don't, we will help them. But waiting for your disability to come through is not a plan. That's a wish at this point with the five to 10 year waiting list. So they have to be willing to let us help them find jobs, education, things like that. Our goal is to be proactive. I truly believe, and anybody out there listening, 22 veterans commit suicide a day, some in the VA parking lot. And believe me, I've been to the VA with my son and sat there for up to four hours just to get his prescriptions filled. So it's not a game. It is sad and it is serious. So, and anybody out there that thinks they want socialism and free Medicaid for all, that's going to be your life. So just a little joust at that. You don't want socialistic medicine because the VA is a model for that. And our veterans are waiting in that model. Hundreds of thousands of them across this country. So we as a country need to be taking care of them. 22 kill themselves a day that could be prevented by us being more aware of our veterans in our own circle. Think about it right now. I go to church. You go to church. You go to church. Do you even know the veterans at your church? Do you know the veterans that might be the parents of your kids' friends? Do you know the veterans that might live in your neighborhood? Oh, my neighbor's a veteran, man. He hasn't come out of that house in like four days. Okay. So you walk over there and you knock on there and just say, hey, bud, how you doing? I mean, we have to be active in our communities to change the 22 a day. We have to be proactive. You can't wait till they're homeless and the VA is going to help them because they're already lost their dignity. They're living on the streets to get help from the VA. So they serve to protect each and every one of us. They might have been paid by the government, which is our tax dollars, but they serve to protect us. And each and every one of us owes them gratitude. And it might be just taking a cake over there or going over there and saying, you look like you just had surgery. Could I mow your lawn? You don't have to have money to help veterans. You just have to have a heart and sympathy and care about what they might be going through. And sometimes it could be just sitting over there and say, hey, I'm going to bring over some coffee or come over to my house and let's have coffee and talk and tell me what you're thinking. It's reaching out. It's going outside your bubble to make a difference in the world for people that sacrifice for you. Man, that is motivating. I love it. You should go do some speeches places if you don't do that already. <laughs> so that was great. I would love a bigger platform. What you're doing for Valor for Veterans and me personally is I have a lot to say about the way America treats our veterans. And I would love a bigger platform because yes, people, I believe if they just heard how simple it is to help them, everybody would be out there helping them. 
You know, I agree. And maybe we should do this again. Maybe we can get together one more time here in the near future with you and your cowgirls. And we could talk about some things again and talk about how those cowgirls, the younger generation is really helping (laughs) veterans. I think that would be great. I think the squad would have fun with you. It would be very entertaining. We all have quite the personality. I think the last time they got there, there was a cake fight at Dave and Buster's. I think we're banned from that restaurant at this point. I mean, a bunch of veterans daring a bunch of cowgirls to have a cake fight wasn't pretty. I mean, I was getting blue frosting out of my hair and off my skin for like days. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Let me ask you, um, you mentioned going to church and I saw the crosses on the cowgirls' uniforms. How does your Christianity play a part in what you do and your mission? Well, if I could say this one without crying. God gave us this mission, me and the squad, Crusader Squad and the Valor Squad. He gave us this mission by changing it from just riding our horses and sharing them with veterans to impacting them across the entire country from one state. And we have board members, don't get me wrong, we have board members that live in lots and lots of states. But the cowgirls and the branding and who we are and what we do comes from Colorado. We're all right here. And the impact that they have is just, it's speechless. And it's emotional because when you deal with everybody on a a level that we all do, you're in their world, you're in their life, and you're trying to make it better. Some days you can do that. And by the grace of God, we've only lost a few. Uh, No matter what we gave them, we couldn't fight the demons in their head. And we lost them to the 22 a day. So you're making an impact. And most of the ones you run across, you've been able to help and get them on the right path. I just think it's really all pretty amazing. And God's got to be blessed in your mission to be able to do what you're doing. And the heart that you have behind it is pretty amazing. Well, God is the only driving force. I mean, there are days where I'll get seven requests and I'm like, oh my God, there's no way. When I post these stories on LinkedIn, that's our only source of income right now. We're hoping and praying that a corporate sponsor wants 100% transparency and wants to step up and get a group that helps all veterans without all the stipulations that the other groups put on them. And we're praying for that. Right now, God, I always know that I'm doing the right thing because when I wake up the next morning and I look at our PayPal, which is where all the money comes in from the website or from the direct link, and the money is there, I'm like, okay, God is still guiding this. And, you know, when I pray at night and I say, God, it's in your hands. All these veterans are in your hands. You placed them in our heart. You placed their stories in our lives. And now we have to help them. But we can't help them without the funds. So, God, please let it happen. I say that prayer every night. God, guide my heart my soul, and my gut. And that's Christian conservative cowgirls are exactly that. Awesome. Definitely awesome. So you mentioned LinkedIn. You've said it a couple of times, and I'm actually a huge fan of LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn every single day trying to help veterans. And I teach veterans how to use LinkedIn. So that's kind of where my piece comes in is, you know, aside from podcasting, which I just love to do because it's fun to talk to people, right? So <laughs> other than LinkedIn, you know, how do you really connect with community? I mean, they come see you there, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're local and you're in Colorado, then yeah, we are connected with the local VA. And of course we have veterans that are in different veterans organizations and groups and the motorcycle clubs and different things like that. So they will call up and say, Hey, you know, we'd like to come out to the ranch and, you know, me and three of my buddies and their families, you know, there's a limit due to insurance, of course. So each time we have to have one of us cowgirls per every veteran family that comes out. So if we want to have, there's five of us, we can have up to five families at a time come out to the ranch. So you have one expert around a large 1,200 pound animal with each family. So that works great for the state of Colorado and keeps the cowgirl 
know, that's who we are at heart. We are cowgirls. And everybody at some point in this country, all of our ancestors rode horses or rode in a buggy to be able to get somewhere before there were cars. Our heritage all goes back to the horse and the cowgirl and the cowboy. And that's why we're using our platform as cowgirls to do the triage program with rent, utilities, and food. And on LinkedIn, these people, they know we're legit. They see our faces and they know exactly who we are, what we stand for, our purple heart, purple shirts. They see us and they go, you know what? This is the real deal. They can go right there on the website and see all the pictures. They can see everything in real time. As a matter of fact, we're entertaining starting our own YouTube channel so that we can let people see some of the crazy stuff that happens in the day-to-day lives as we help veterans across the country because some of it is just tear-jerkingly where you just want to cry. It always works out, and sometimes it's just funny stuff you just can't make up. I mean, it's just God making us remember to laugh each day no matter how bad the stress gets. That's not a bad idea either because honestly, a YouTube channel means people see you more, right? And I think the more people see you, the more word spreads and the more word spreads, the more people want to help and assist. So it's probably a pretty good idea. And then people like the being able to see and connect. So they're going to be hearing you now and listen to this and being like, wow, this seems really great. She seems really great. And then being able to also see you. It's just another form of media that is good to let people get to know you and your team. So now at the Second Chance Ranch, these people will come out, these families. Is it just to ride horses or do you go shooting guns or what all do you do? (laughs) Well, out here, let's be clear, we do not ride the horses. We do everything. They can groom them and walk them and pet them and do all this kind of stuff. But a lot of egos go into riding a horse. So you'd be surprised how many veterans, when we first started back in 2015, said they'd ridden horses. They didn't want to fess up to a bunch of young teenage girls and myself that they really didn't know what they were doing. So, oh, yeah, I rode when I was young. And, you know, you give them the lead rope and halter and say, hey, go get the black horse. And they couldn't put the lead rope and halter on and be like, okay, they don't know how to ride a horse. Kind of like if you have a dog and you don't know how to put the collar and the leash on, you probably haven't walked too many dogs. So that used to be our test. Now we do where they come out and they get the horse and they brush them and groom them and they walk them and they can lunge them or they can take them out and let them graze. The horses are very, very loving and caring when they're here. So they have a good time and their families get to all brush them together, which builds families back together. You know, when a veteran is suffering from post-traumatic stress, they tend not to be friendly sometimes and their families and them become very distant. And the horses are kind of like a bridge between that. And then, of course, taking the cowgirl image and the old-fashioned theory of being a cowgirl, business is still done with a handshake, to the platform of the triage, which is rent, utilities, and food for veterans nationwide in emergency situations, it goes to hand in hand because business is still done with a handshake. And we vet you and we're believing in you as a veteran and we are being transparent with our donors by them being able to see where their donor dollars go. Because we need a lot more donors. We need a corporate sponsor. I mean, anybody out there that is in a big corporation or works for them, my gosh, wouldn't you love to be able to be hooked up to the Valor for Veterans.us website and say, you know what, we're funding all this. Because my goal, my dream, and my vision for Valor for Veterans is to be the very first proactive nonprofit organization in this country to help veterans. 
meaning we look for them on Facebook when they're struggling and they're posting stories about themselves. We look for them in the communities and people can report when they see a veteran struggling and we'll have the funds to immediately say, go online, fill out the request form, let us help you. It's not too late. Give us a chance before it's too late and you're living on the streets or you have no food or you have no power and you're sitting in the dark. Let us help you, but you can't be proactive unless you have the funds. You only can be reactive. And right now, that's my vision is to be the first proactive one in the nation. That's actually really amazing. You mentioned earlier, sitting in a parking lot for four hours is just one example of waiting for something to happen and being proactive would just be a really amazing thing. And so, hey, I hope that dream comes true. That would be really, really awesome. Everything's in God's hands. (laughs) Yeah, again, it is, isn't it? We're all guided to something and you've got a pretty good mission there. So I hope you're blessed with success. You know, you talked about helping veterans and in all aspects of local, nationwide, and different things you do to help. And that's because they've gotten to a point where they are struggling, and that's why they need that help. So thinking about that and and realizing, you know, there are probably things that they could do not to get themselves in that situation, there's that side of it. So what I was wondering is if you had any kind of action items list for veterans that you could give them so that they could be more successful in life and, and potentially, you know, not run into needing the assistance in the first place? I actually don't think that's something that we should be putting on the veterans. So when you're in the military, as of a year and a half ago, they started the program 365. So if you were out within the last 365 days, you get a lot of assistance. But if you were out prior to this program, they don't even teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you that you have to pay bills. And if you're in the military, 90% of the time, you're told when to eat, how to eat, you know, when to shower, what to wear, when to wear. I mean, your life is very structured. It's, you're in the military. Then they come home and all of a sudden, nobody is here to help them navigate the system. And we just expect them to understand that, you know, okay, you have to go out there and get a job. Well, if you're a business and you say that you hire veterans and you have no plan for what happens when they have a bad day, you are not an employer that helps veterans. Because firing them because they have a bad day or a bad week is not going to help them. So anybody out there that says, we hire veterans, you're getting a tax break for hiring a veteran. So you should have a program. It's not a matter of if they're going to have a bad week, it's when. And what are you going to do when they have that bad week? Are you going to get them some help? Are you going to be encouraging them? Are you going to get them some support? Or are you going to fire them? Because 90% of the businesses that hire veterans do not take the extra step for when something goes wrong. They just take the credit for hiring the veterans. Well, I hire veterans. That's the easy thing to do. We encourage veterans. We educate veterans. Okay, but you have to be prepared for when things don't go right, because our culture is not teaching them anything. They're coming back from a very structured lifestyle into a free-for-all with absolutely no idea of how to do anything, because we're not training them when they come back. So if you go out of civilian life for four years, and then all of a sudden you're dropped back into it, I mean, imagine coming back and realizing that everybody's on Snapchat at the dinner table, and you haven't even had a cell phone in your face hardly. So you're looking at everybody in your family and everybody's on their phone. No one's even talking. So they're coming back to a society that is extremely different than what they're living when they're with their buddies. Their buddies and them are talking and conversing 
and interacting with each other. They're battle buddies, they're family. And they come back to their own families and everybody's got their face in the telephone, their cell phones, their TVs or whatever it is, they're gaming. They're not even aware of their own family veteran or their own buddy that came home that has no idea what that lifestyle looks like. Very true. And things are so different. That's really kind of why I was asking, what do you tell them to do? Do you have advice for them when they come back and they face the situation? Well, if you're just getting out now of the military, you need to sign up for everything that's available at the VA before you get out of the military. Everything from medical care to applying for disability ratings before you are out of the military, completely sign up for everything on the 365 program. If you are out and you don't qualify anymore for the 365 program, then you need to reach out to people that are willing to help you. And we are willing to help. And your VFWs are very good at being able to help you locally and in your own communities. They are a very good organization. In other words, you got to go and reach for help, even though your pride says you don't want to. You need to. You need to let us know what you need. This has been a really amazing interview, and I can see that you and your team of cowgirls are doing everything that you can to help veterans, and you're waking up America to the fact that veterans are out there and they need our support. So I really wanted to say thank you for your time today on this interview. Basically, I guess now it's time to ride off into the sunset. Well, it sure has been a pleasure speaking with you and discussing everything that we do at Battle for Veterans. And I hope everybody will take time to go on the website and take a look at all the veterans that we help nationwide. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to keep coming back each week for more great episodes. If you want to talk about something you learned today, if you have questions, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, go to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and click on Contact Us. Thank you for listening.